I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, my fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets, Season 2, Episode 8. We have such a cool, interesting conversation in store for you guys. I sat down with personal trainer and author Pamela Carey, and we talked about her new book called Fit Intuition. I really loved this conversation, especially because I love talking to people who have different ideas about fitness and slightly different ideas about health and eating than I do because I like being able to reach a common ground on these things and being able to understand each other better. I remember uh, on season one of RIP Diets, I had Mara Merrick on, who is a comedian but also works professionally as a personal trainer. And I remember at the end of our conversation, she said to me, wow, I didn't think we were going to agree on so many things, but it turns out we don't think so differently. And I just loved that. And that's kind of how I felt about this interview as well. I'm always going to have different opinions than a personal trainer because a personal trainer is somebody who caters to their clients and their clients' needs and wants. So as a personal trainer, when somebody comes into the gym that you work at or you're doing a personal training session for them, they come in with specific body goals. And oftentimes one of their goals is to lose weight, but often, you know, they could just be looking to strengthen certain areas of their body, uh, improve their posture, improve their mobility. Obviously it depends on the client, but I think it would be foolish to say that a majority of people who go to see a personal trainer aren't hoping for a little weight loss or to change or modify their body in some way. And I think it's great that personal trainers exist and that you can go to somebody who can show you how to do things in the correct way, in a way that's healthy and in a way that you're not going to overexert yourself. We talk about that in this conversation a lot. I also wanted to touch on something that we kind of floated by in the interview, which is personal trainers nowadays have a lot of clients who come in and they want what is trendy. What we think is a desirable body has changed so many times throughout history. And right now we're at a very interesting time when cosmetic surgery is very popular and we have people like the Kardashians who, you know, many of them have gotten cosmetic surgery to make themselves curvier, to accentuate certain things about their bodies. And with Instagram especially, we can look at these people and think that is achievable when it is not always achievable just by working out. The most clear example would be somebody who's looking to have a big ass who doesn't naturally have a big ass. And I know from speaking to personal trainers that this is something that a lot of girls want right now. They want that Kim Kardashian ass, maybe not quite as big as hers because as we know it's just not attainable but that's 
one of the things that people are looking for nowadays, I think fitness has turned a corner. We are veering away from that 90s, quote, heroin chic, super skinny look. And what is desirable now is to be a little bit curvier, still in a very thin body and still, you know, fitting into very small sizes. But we do desire that a little bit. And it's interesting how for some people that can be just as unachievable as it would be to be as skinny as Kate Moss. Yes, we are accepting a curvy body type as an acceptable body type and as one that is seen as sexy and desirable, but it still is in this very narrow definition of what curvy should look like, which would be, you know, a small waist, big hips, a big ass and big boobs. And let me just say, I don't think that you need to look like this to be sexy. I think you can have all different kinds of body types can be sexy. But I think it's important to be aware of the trends in fitness and be aware that sometimes if we look at ourselves and we think, oh, I should really change that or, oh, I need to tone my ass a little more. A lot of it can be coming from these trends that we see on Instagram or TikTok or on TV. And not everybody is going to be able to achieve that, just like not everybody would be able to achieve being five foot 10 and 105 pounds, let's say. Um, and if that is your body, I'm not trashing it. If that's not, you know, it, I, I think body diversity is a really beautiful thing. And I don't think that we all need to look alike or strive for what is trending because when you think about it, it changes every 10 years. In the 90s, we were trying to be super skinny. In the 2000s, it was a little more athletic and a little more boyish. And, you know, J-Lo stepped on the scene and wowed everybody with her ass. And now in 2021, we all want to be a Kardashian. We all want to have a, a perfectly curvy body type that still looks fit and still looks toned. And I think it's just exhausting to try to fit yourself into a mold that isn't really you. So all of that being said, I will say that I also think it's okay to have body goals. I think it's okay to want to be stronger, to want to improve your flexibility, to want to tone certain areas of your body and feel like a badass and feel confident about your body. I think all of that is okay. And I think if you are one of these people who has a healthy relationship with exercise and you want to know how to be more effective with it, or to get more out of your workouts, seeing a personal trainer is a great idea. But we need to be very conscious of keeping a balance where we don't feel like we're obsessing over exercise and that we need to do it every day to feel okay. Because that is a trap that I've fallen into before. And I know that it actually has adverse benefits and rest is very important. Taking rest days. Also, just for your mental health, not forcing you to do anything, including exercise, that you don't want to do and that doesn't make you feel good and doesn't make you feel confident. And that's why I loved this conversation with Pamela Carey. We talk about fitness. We talk about modifying your body and how that might not be such a bad thing if you can do it in a mindful way and not feed into 
the diet culture aspect of it, of I need to burn this many calories. I need to lose weight to look like this. And that is what I'm achieving. What you achieve with exercise is so much bigger than any modification that you can make to your body. Exercise is a very empowering practice and one that has absolutely changed my life, changed my perspective, along with intuitive eating. I think the two can go hand in hand. I will put a disclaimer on this conversation that some of Pam's theories about nutrition and what she has her clients practice is not necessarily what I would practice because she still encourages them to be calorie conscious and to be conscious of what they're eating and to take that into account. I personally think you don't need to do that to be healthy or to feel good in your skin. But We both did very much see eye to eye on the exercise aspect of it. And that is what I hope you guys will take away from it, which is exercise has so many benefits other than weight loss. And you can achieve body confidence and feel a lot healthier as a whole by exercising um, in a very intentional way. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Pamela Carey author of Fit Intuition. Check out her book. And as always, you guys, give me feedback. Let me know what you thought of the interview. Let me know if there are questions that you thought I could have asked her that would have been illuminating because I want to be able to talk to a lot of different people from different walks of life with different opinions and be able to ask the right questions and make sure that you guys get a lot out of it. So with that in mind, here is today's conversation with Pamela Carey. Okay, guys, my guest today is a personal trainer and a published author, the first author that I've had on the podcast. So exciting. She just put out an incredible book called Fit Intuition. Listen to your body and never diet again. Pamela Carey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm really excited to get into this discussion because this is a personal thing for me because I struggle with the gym and finding a good balance between how much I exercise, but not exercising too much or being too fixated on it. And I know that a lot of my listeners struggle with that as well. So I think they're going to really benefit from learning your philosophy today. Well, you know, going off of what you just said, do you personally, um, speaking of not trying to exercise too much, one thing that I really do with my clients that are trying to get away from the dieting mentality is making sure that we're exercising to feel good or for health reasons, but not to lose weight. And I'm sure that during your recovery, that was something you probably focused on. And maybe it's still even a practice of when you work out, not looking at how many calories you burned and just thinking, you know, how do I feel? Yes. Well, I've talked about this on the show, but it's different for everybody. Like I know girls that are in recovery, just like me, who don't do any sort of movement. I know girls who do yoga and get really into that and like the mindfulness aspect Mm -hmm. of that. 
for me personally, what it really was about was not, like you said, not fixating on, okay, I'm going to burn X amount of calories today because I ate this many calories. Like I really was trying to get away from that mentality. So I really got into weightlifting as um, sort of like a mindfulness exercise and seeing how I could make my muscles stronger. And as a side effect, you know, my body did change and I developed a lot of body confidence from doing weights and also from biking, which is like also meditative for me, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't meditate, but I, that's the only word that I can use to really describe it. It's like, I don't feel like I'm exercising so much when I do it. I just feel like I'm working towards a goal and it feels really good and gives me confidence. And that's kind of what I suggest to other people. Cause it's worked for me. Yes, absolutely. So like, um, and, and, you know, even going further than just, you know, not just, okay, how many calories did you burn, but also trying not to like push yourself too much during workout. I personally felt so much of a shift when I started doing that, like going for a run and not thinking about what's my mile time or this or that. Mm-hmm. It's like just being there and being in that meditative state, like you said, is, you know, super transformative and it, it just gets ourselves in touch with our bodies in a completely different way. Totally. And I envy runners. I mean, the runner's high is not something that I have personally ever experienced. <laughs> um, I always say, Anybody who feels like they have a runner's high has never done drugs because it's just not the same thing. But <laughs> but you know what? I would love to talk about your book a little bit. What can you summarize for the listeners is your philosophy? Like what is the philosophy of fit intuition? So my journey kind of started when I did my first diet when I was 18 and I gained weight and I was like, okay, wait a second. If the very first time I'm consciously trying to focus on losing weight, I'm gaining weight. There has to be something more here, but you know, I didn't have the answers at 18. I just kind of flagged that in my mind. And And of course, what did that look like for you? What were you trying to do? Oh gosh, I, everything. I've probably started a hundred times, um, but you know, in the past, but I, it was um, just like we're talking about exercising, like swimming laps to lose weight, uh, certain foods that I used to look at with joy. I looked at as bad, like all the textbook stuff that, mm-hmm. you like know, we're trying carbs to- and stuff like that. Yes, Candy, yes absolutely. Sugar counting calories. I had no idea how, you know, metabolic rate worked. And so like thinking, oh, if I burned 800 calories and that means I can only eat 800 calories. Like I knew nothing about hormones or how, you know, metabolism worked. So I was doing everything wrong and you know, that's okay. I I think a lot of us have been there. It's just about, you know, getting out of that. So, um, once I did, you know, fast forward and, you know, recover from that with stuff we can get into later, but, um, it's just tapping into how you feel in your body as opposed to, um, external rules. So, you know, using an internal guidance system and how you feel after meals, how you feel after a good night's sleep, how you feel after exercise, as opposed to doing any of that out of force or restriction. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that could be really hard for people. I know that's been a big struggle for me too, is like, I went for probably an entire year without exercising just because I was so focused on my recovery and getting back into it. I mean, it's really hard. So I can imagine it must be hard for somebody to find that motivation to work out or to get healthier. Let's say if they haven't exercised their whole life or something like that. Yeah. And that is where tapping into how you feel helps so much because when you did start to, you know, exercise again, or when my clients do, it's like even a 15 or 20 minute walk can make you feel so much better because, you know, you're getting blood flow. You know, a lot of us are sedentary right now, you know, because of the pandemic. And so 
you know, some of us we're sitting like there's days where I get like 200 steps a day if I don't make a conscious effort to get outside. And you that notice was yesterday that- for me. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so noticing how you feel with that. And it sounds simple, but the book's 400 pages because it's really not simple. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of um, between like behavior change science, you know, nutrition, exercise, like there's a lot that goes into how to actually tap into your body and do this. So you kind of you kind of got into it before. But what do you think? Like, what are the biggest mistakes that people make when they're trying to improve their health or they're trying to get fit? Um, yeah, so I think the first one is always calorie restriction way too, way too much. Like I, I meet people and you know, it's weird because I kind of thought that we were getting away from this as a society. You know, if you're in a bubble with very like body positive people and, you know, people that are positive about food choices, you're like, people don't still think they need to eat like 1200 calories a day, do they? And then no, like, I think a huge percentage of the population still thinks they need to do this. And so I still meet people all the time when I have to teach them, okay, this is how many calories your body burns just sitting in a chair breathing, you know, like you're not even giving your body enough. If you're cutting that low to survive your organs, your brain uses a tremendous number of calories. And so that, that would be the first mistake. Um, and then I think that the second one, you know, cardio all day, no weightlifting, you hit on that earlier, you know, our body's made to move things and, you know, 2000 years ago, we would, you know, right now we don't. Um, and then, you know, um, and it's great for your bones. Like the women in my family all have osteoporosis. So I'm trying to prevent that, you know, by getting enough calcium and lifting weights and really like preventing that. Cause it, it can happen early too. Oh, absolutely. Right. I think in the fitness community, there's so much focus on weightlifting to change your body composition when there's like a dozen other reasons from like posture, core strength, just being able to like lift a suitcase or your groceries easier, mm-hmm. you know, um, those would be two of the biggest ones. But then the, the last one's the one we keep hitting on, like, you know, not even just calorie restriction, but cutting out entire food groups that you don't need to, that no doctor or nutritionist has said that you need to. That's a, a huge other, you know, mistake. I see a lot of people. Yeah. Fall and um, what you were saying before about like, not sometimes not even realizing that people still go by that. I think people still go by that, even if they might not even realize it, there's a lot of mental restriction that happens. Like, even if you're not actively counting calories, if you're looking at a bagel or something and you're freaking out and you're thinking, I can't have any more carbs today. If I eat that bagel, that's still a form of mental restriction. Oh yes. It is such a journey, you know? And like, I think it's something that some people will have to do for the rest of their lives. And, you know, even in my coaching, I have to keep catching myself of, you know, saying certain things. Cause you'll meet, you'll meet coaches that are one, one complete end of the spectrum, like saying bananas have too much sugar, but then, you know, even myself, I'll say things like, well, okay. It's true that peanut butter can add up with calories, but it's like, if you're working with a person that that's triggering for, you know, being sure to not bring that up. And people are in all sorts of places. Like I've had clients that were eating 700 calories of macadamia nuts a day and didn't know that. And it's like, (laughs) uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, if you're not losing weight and if that's a goal for you, and if you're trying to do that in a safe way, this is not productive, Mm -hmm. but then, um, trying to teach people about calories in a way that it's less loaded and triggering. Cause some people just don't know anything about them. I've also met that kind of group. I wish I was like that. <laughs> I, I wish that I could just walk through the world and like go to Dunkin' Donuts and not see the calorie count listed on their menu. I wish that was not a thing. And 
I mean, there are two sides to that. Like I, and I would be curious to know what you think about that. Like about, you know, chains, like Panera bread, like having the calorie counts. I think it can be really harmful because it's, it just means that you go through the menu and you can't find something that is right. Cause you're looking at a number and you think it's too high. And, and then you end up eating something that you didn't even want to eat in the first place. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, the only times I think it's helpful is like, um, you know, those salad places where it's like a salad's like 800 calories. And I tell people yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. That's because it's packed with nutrients. You know, it has right. avocado and nuts and sweet potatoes and all of that. But, um, there's a lot of people that they do have a goal and they just have no for, I call it being calorie conscious as opposed to calorie restrictive. And mm-hmm. so it kind of just depends on which group you're in. Like if you're someone that doesn't know how it works, it is helpful to see that there. Cause there's people that are like, did you know smoothies can have 1200 calories? calories. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's okay, yeah. but they do. And just, you know, it's kind of like the scale where, you know, how for some people, the scale is very triggering. And for a very small percentage of the population, it's just a measuring tool, which is what it was intended to be like a thermometer or like anything else. Like, but you know, for most people, yeah, it, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I personally haven't weighed myself in four years, but that's also a mentality that I just will never understand. And I think that I approach these topics in, I wouldn't consider myself militant or anything. I definitely respect, you know, all uh, thoughts on this matter, but like, I do approach it from kind of a hardcore way of like, I don't Mm -hmm. think that you even need to look at calories at all. Mm -hmm. I know that not everybody agrees with that. Um, I think you don't need to pay attention to measurements like BMI and stuff like that, just based on what I've learned. Some people don't agree with me about that, but it's like, we all need to stop associating a number with health because they're two separate things. Absolutely. And you know, the more our industry gets educated, it's moving in that direction. So that's the good news. And like, I learn new things every day. Like I was listening to a podcast, you know, on body positivity, but a therapist was doing it. And, you know, they said the word obesity just shouldn't be used. So it's like, I, I used to think of it as like, okay, there's you know, a scale, like a BMI scale, but it's like, yeah, because these things have been used as insults and our medical community hasn't handled it well. It's like, that's just a word that we don't need to be throwing around anymore. And I, you know, it's about continually being educated. And I I agree with you, you know, there's so many other healthy ways to approach this. Yeah. I actually, I selected a, a short part out of your book, a little excerpt. I hope this doesn't embarrass you too much, but <laughs> no, it's I'm going to read it. I'd love to talk about it. Um, This is pretty early on in the book, but you say, when you live by strict rules, you block your body's natural awareness, like hunger cues. When you live by restriction, you never are given permission to find which foods make you feel good and desire those instead. For this reason, the very restriction you thought would help you is the very thing that prevents permanent weight loss. Damn, girl. (laughs) Let's get into it. So like, I think the common thread throughout all of this is that when you're trying to get healthy, get fit, if you're trying to lose weight, it's not just the physicality that you need to pay attention to, but it's also, there's a huge mental component that people just don't pay that much mind to, and they really should be. So how does this work? Like how does restriction keep you from achieving your goals? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll just use an example pretty recently. Um, Have you heard of the World Fair? I know you're in New York. Uh, 
I've heard of it. Yeah. So it's just food from, you know, all over different cultures. And I went with some friends and I think I had in like, I was only there two hours. I had, you know, probably three different dinners, two desserts and a bunch of beers. And that is fine. And this was when I was already in a healthier place with this. So there was zero shame, like, which was shocking to me, but it was just like, I ate a bunch of good food, but oh my gosh, I felt so sick to my stomach. And I actually felt kind of physically not well for a couple days, similar to like a hangover, but different. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, probably a day, but you know, like a full, you know, 24 hours. It's a recovery period. Yeah. Like physically, right. Not mentally. And so I think it used to be a hundred percent mental of just like the shame and the shame and the guilt they block that awareness because you're just kind of stuck in your head thinking that was bad. How many calories was that? Like we were saying, you know, I I'm back where I started all these terrible, you know, mindsets. And, um, when you feel your body, you don't want to do that again, but only because of how you feel. And, you know, you know, energy wise, it's hard to focus the next day. You know, maybe your sleep is affected from the sugar. It's like, you're, you're purely focused on, you know, it's kind of like, um, when you do work for the joy of doing the work versus like to get something done and how it might look to other people, it's mm-hmm. really similar to that. Um, yeah. And, and that's the main thing that worked for myself and I, I think would work for others. Interesting. Um, what do you think? Well, first of all, how did you get interested in fitness in the beginning? Like, did you have a problematic relationship with your body or how did you get into fitness in the first place? Yeah, I, I did have a somewhat problematic, uh, you know, relationship with my body, but that's not how I got into it. I always just played sports, um, growing up and then I got injured quite a bit. So going to physical therapists, I'd learn a hamstring stretch. I, I started going to the gym at 12, but just for sports. Okay. You know, what um, kind of sports yeah. did you play? I played soccer and lacrosse. And I think that that can also be really positive with helping people want to exercise for the joy of it, you know, cause you're playing. Oh, yeah. 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 And so, um, but except for those of us who suck at team sports and <laughs> need to find something solo to do, I am so not coordinated, could never be on a team. Um, but I, I definitely, uh, did not always have a positive relationship with um, food in my body, even though, okay, I looked like this, like athlete, I felt like an athlete and I loved working out. But, you know, I think almost all of us have things that happen to us, you know, even starting as a kid that can set up destructive behavior. Like I remember I was seven and I sat down at the lunch table and this, my best friend at the time shrieked and jumped away when she saw my skirt go up and she saw my quads pressing on the table. And it's like, you know, so it's like you're six or seven and you're already thinking like, you know, like my body is scaring people or something. And I'm, I was tiny, you know, I was a, an athlete. And so it's like, I can only imagine how other people are at such a young age, you know, developing a certain relationship, you know, with their body and food. And it starts so early. It totally does. I know that I became aware of my body at such an early age. Did, what were your, um, what were your parents like? Did they kind of encourage you to play sports or did they talk to you about fitness? Yeah, that was always, you know, positive because sports and, you know, exercise were always, you know, for fun. But um, I don't think any of us, like I said, make it out unscathed. Like there were adults in my life, you know, I won't say who, who like, you know, you eat a cookie and it's like, oh, don't eat that. You're going to get fat. Like, as opposed to, you know, it's, um, wait, can I ask you a question really quick? Totally. I feel like I have no idea how um, I'm doing in the like 
positivity like spectrum of like like even just saying don't eat that you're gonna get fat talking about hearing that as a kid is that the totally kind of thing fine you- okay totally okay. fine yeah okay. no I I wasn't kidding it's not I I interview so many different types of people and they have so many different experiences and I think like the one common thing is that people say shit to you when you're growing up that yeah really okay this okay. is the message like I talk about that all the time and I think it makes it more interesting it may for me it makes it more interesting that you developed this whole philosophy based on your experiences, not just your professional experience, but also when you were growing up hearing these things and how it affected you. Okay. Okay, cool. Sorry. You know? We'll jump back in where we left. <laughs> of course. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> no, but I appreciate that because I, obviously, and I, 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 people ask all the time, like, is this going to be triggering? Is this going to be triggering? Just know guys, if you're listening to this podcast, there are things that might be triggering. Like I, I issue trigger warnings. If people talk about weight numbers, or if there's something like specific that I think could set somebody off, but also I'm not a psychiatrist. Like go see, go see a therapist. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, um, by the time I, uh, made it to college, there was already enough of those things. Cause like I said, I never really died until 18, but it was, um, so the, the triggering event though was uh this guy at the I was a lifeguard and this guy at the pool um he was a sophomore and I was going to be a freshman in college and he was like yeah you know so just so you know when you get there he was trying to be all like advice giving mm-hmm. um the reason why guys like freshmen is not because they're younger it's because they haven't gained the freshman 15 yet so just don't do that and I'm like, I I read that in your book and I was dying because that is so um that is so like you know the um the wise senior thing to say that like <laughs> thinks that he has all this knowledge that you don't have as like a lowly freshman yeah so hilarious I picture him like sitting there with his Ray-Bans on just right, like right. saying that shit to you that must have freaked you out I was freaked out about gaining the freshman 15 that's like a huge thing that everybody talks about when you go to college Right. And so much of it is just behavioral. You know, you have home cooked food and at home and then you go and maybe you're studying more, you're pulling all nighters and, you know, you're fending for yourself for food, maybe for the first time, which for me meant, you know, Swedish fish while I was staying up till 3am studying. And that's what was important to me at the time. And looking back, I just wish that I could have accepted that, that it's like, you know, what gaining some weight is is fine right now. Like you, and you know, we're also getting older, you know, when you're younger, you've just been through puberty. It's like, it's natural to turn into a woman, not a girl at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. We are so terrified of our bodies changing, um, that that becomes like this sort of urban legend or something that people say, Oh, the dreaded freshman 15 Mm -hmm. and it's 15 pounds. Like what are we really talking about when we're talking about weight? 15 pounds, at least for me, just not that much. Exactly. Um, I could probably lose 15 pounds if I just like went on vacation. You know what I mean? Right. Who knows? Cause I, like I said, I haven't weighed myself in four years, but, but yeah, like we need to, we need to stop making the emphasis, like keeping your body small at no matter what the cost. Absolutely. And, and especially, especially for women, I actually just listened to your episode with Jared though. And it was great to hear a male's perspective because what's interesting is I have a lot of men that are reading the book that are telling me how helpful this was like, Oh, I ate a donut for the first time in a long time without any sort of shame. I just ate a donut. <laughs> and it's, it's like, I had no idea how many men had a hard time with this until I wrote the book and like put it out there and are hearing about people's experiences, you know? 
Yeah, I think the main thing is they're just not allowed to talk about it, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, I will shed a tear for them. I do think we have it more difficult in many, many ways, but (laughs) at least we're able to talk about it. You know, like at least I'm able to, I, if I tell a woman about this podcast, we have a conversation and we can relate to each other based on our experiences and, and know that we're not alone. But if I tell a guy, then the conversation becomes, uh, you know, oh, how do you promote that? Uh, how many, <laughs> how many listeners, you know what I mean? Like yes. they're all statistics and numbers and women are much more emotionally intelligent, which mm-hmm. I think like, we're just encouraged to talk about our feelings more, which is great, but it, we, there should be a little more of that on the other side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think the other big difference for women though, is, and I can't wait till we get away from this. It's just still, there's this value based on our looks. And, you know, I say this at another point in the book, but that like, you'll meet somebody. And if they get a girlfriend, the first question will be like, what does she look like? Is she cute? And the first question, if you say you're seeing, you know, you have a boyfriend is like, oh, what does he do for work? Like, it's like, we're still entrenched in these like two different things. You know, guys often like feel self-conscious around money or other things. And, you know, I think our generation, generation, like what you're doing is starting to lay a foundation to get away from this stuff. But I think it'll still take some time, you know, it's going to take time. But I was thinking about it. And I feel like, you know, anti diet nutrition and anti diet fitness is having a moment right now. Obviously, it's nowhere near where it could be. But a lot of young people like you who are in the field are kind of seeing this for themselves and they see this alternative way to go about fitness. And I think that's so fantastic because what that means is uh, that the diet industry and and diet culture in the media is going to become so much less saturated. There's going to be so many other options and exposure for people to learn about alternative ways to live that maybe the next generation, like maybe our kids or our kids' kids mm-hmm. not feel this intense pressure to diet from the age of four or whatever. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So we need to wrap up soon, but what's the main thing that you want people to take away from the book? What's the main reason why people should read the book? What do you want people to take away from it? Yeah, for sure. So we hit on the first main thing, which is, you know, tapping into your body, but I would say that it's okay if you have an objective, like if you have a certain destination and I, we don't mean weight here, but if you want to change your body composition in some way, you can do it in a safe way. I think that there's a lot of people that, you know, I've talked about this before that this is not intuitive eating. It's something different because in intuitive eating, you have no objective. Um, but for people that are like, you know what, I really do have a certain goal. Like it doesn't matter what that is for you that you feel good with if it's authentically for you. Um, you know, you can find a way to do that without dieting, without cutting calories low, restricting certain foods or working out as punishment. And so um, I, I hope you're able to find that if that is you. Totally. And as a personal trainer, I'm sure, I mean, we were talking about this when, before the mics were on, but I'm sure, you know, you have clients coming to you all the time saying, I have these specific goals. I want my ass to be bigger. I want oh my, my thighs to be smaller, <laughs> whatever it is. And what I've always heard, um, cause I have seen personal trainers a few times, you know, like when you join a gym, they give you a free personal training session and shit like that. But 
they always tell me you can't spot reduce, you can, you know, work on these things and make these muscles stronger. But if you have wide hips, you have wide hips. Like there's nothing that you're going to really change about that. If you gain weight in your midsection, you'll still gain weight in your midsection. So when you say you can change your body composition, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So strength training, like you mentioned before is the number one thing because, um, that will help you build muscle and that muscle will raise your metabolism. And you'll basically be somewhat, you know, exchanging body fat for muscle They're They're gained and lost through different, um, mechanisms, but you know, that would happen. And then mm-hmm. also, you know, increasing protein, a lot of stuff though, only if it feels good to you, you know, like we talked about like protein is delicious. And, you know, so I always tell people, don't, don't worry about, you know, eating chicken, things like that. Or Mm -hmm. if you do eat meat, um, so protein and lifting weights, um, and and there's other things, but those will be the first two tips I would tell people. And I a hundred percent second that, because I'm telling you, I, you weightlifting is, is hard to get into especially for women. I think it can be so intimidating to walk into the gym and see the guys like lifting things and putting them down. And you're just like over here trying to use the leg press. You know, it's like, it's was very intimidating when I started, but I always tell people it is such a confidence boost to really work your muscles and to make them stronger. It's crazy how quickly it happens. And you can be lifting more weight than you could ever imagine you could be lifting. And it's such an empowering experience too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. We got to wrap up, but where can people find your book and follow you? Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So my Instagram is at pam.carry and that's kind of a home base for a lot of the stuff I'm working on. And the book is on Amazon. Oh, what is up? I am back. I hope you liked that conversation with Pamela Carey. As I said, you know, we don't see eye to eye on every single thing. She does not preach intuitive eating or follow intuitive eating. But if you yourself have been contemplating certain body goals that you have, but you want to do it in a healthy way, you don't want to become obsessive, you don't want to backslide into disordered eating or obsessive exercising, I think it could be a really good place to start. So definitely check out her book and follow her on Instagram. And while you're at it, follow me on Instagram. I am at Lubination, that's L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. And you can also follow RIP Diets, at RIP Diets on Instagram. We're generating a lot of different content than I normally put out there on my Instagram, and I'm hoping to build this community even more. So definitely give me a follow to keep up with everything RIP Diets. If you want to email me with an advice question, you can do so at ripdiets at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. If you want to leave a review for the show, Go to Apple Podcasts, leave an iTunes review. I've said this before, but I'll just reiterate, you can create any name. You can create a completely fake name if you're a private person and you don't want your name being out there. You can make your name, make it whatever you want, make it Cunt Bubbles 69 if you want to. I don't give a fuck, but just make it five stars and say some nice shit about the podcast because it really, truly does help people find the podcast and it'll help foster this community. And if you want even more RIP Diets content, go to patreon.com slash RIP Diets. I just put a brand new bonus episode on there with my boyfriend, and we kind of talked about the male perspective 
of dating and men's preferences when it comes to women's bodies and how that can vary. And we also got into a little bit of a debate over whether it's healthy for anybody to go on a restrictive diet if they have not struggled with disordered eating. And we had a little difference of opinion with that, which is interesting. I would love for you guys to listen to it and let me know what you think. And that's it, you guys. I'll be back next Monday with a brand new edition of Rip Diets. I hope to see you then. Peace out. (laughs) 